welcome to Growing, a podcast about birth, babies, and beyond. I'm your host, Beth. I'm a midwife, a business owner, and a mum. If you're anything like me, you find yourself wearing many hats, and this can be fun and hard and everything in between. So I'm here to offer support and solidarity for whatever season of growth you find yourself in. Let's go. Welcome to Growing. This is episode 15 and today I'm sharing our experience starting daycare with our little one, Poppy. I'm actually taking a little recording break over the Christmas period, so this is the last episode of the year, but I thought it would be a nice way to end 2022 because I know many of you listening will be preparing to commence daycare early next year. And I want to wrap you up in some love and reassurance because I found this transition quite tricky. I actually popped a question box up on my Instagram stories to find out what you want to know and what's on your mind and which aspects of this transition are worrying you. I want to be clear before we jump in that I don't hold any specific qualifications around early childhood or education. This episode is just me sharing mum to mum about how I felt, how Poppy went and that kind of thing. A few people wrote in wondering how old Pops was when we started and how we chose a centre. So I'll start there before we dive into the more specific questions. I also just want to add that if you are beginning daycare and it's not because you need to return to paid work, but because you need a break or some extra support, I think that's amazing. Parenthood is so full on. And if this is available to you and that's how you are deciding to support yourself as a family, that is great. In the end, we started Poppy at around 10 months of age, initially just one day a week. We have very recently increased to two days a week about a month ago, and she's currently 16 months old. 10 months was sooner than I had hoped, but the center we liked had a random opening for one day a week. And outside of this, we were told that it could be up to 1.5 year wait list. And I was like, what do you mean? But from chatting to other mums and the centres in our area, this was pretty standard. I just was mind blown. I was like, what? Like I should have had her on from the time I was pregnant with her. Obviously, this is going to differ depending on your area and what's available, but this is just where we found ourselves. A few people asked how we chose a centre and what kind of things we looked for. I want to be honest, I really didn't know what I was looking for, but I'm going to share with you some things that I noticed that gave me a good vibe. So first things first, the director was incredibly warm and gentle with me when she could tell I was very, very nervous. She validated my nerves while remaining confident that Poppy would settle in. So she was really like, you know, I can see that you're hesitant and I want to give you time to consider your options. And yeah, she could just see that I like I wasn't quite ready, but that this position had come up that I sort of needed to take. So she was really, really gentle with me as I made the decision and she let me pop in a few times just to kind of check and whatever else. The centre encouraged us to do multiple orientation mornings, uh, which included me kind of just coming in with Poppy for a play with the other kids and then a second one that the goal was for one of the educators to see if they could help Poppy have her first nap of the day at the centre with no sort of pressure for it to go well because I was still there just sitting in the staff room and I thought this was a really nice thing. 
The educators didn't hesitate to show the kids affection. So when we were there for the orientation, I was kind of like observing the vibe and whatever else. And I noticed that if one of the babies or young children were upset or they'd hurt themselves or something like that, the educators were really comforting to them and they like you didn't hesitate to give them a hug or carry them around until they were ready to play again and I think as a mum and particularly a first-time mum one of my biggest anxieties was that Poppy would be upset she'd be stressed or scared or hurt and she wouldn't be comforted well so I just I loved seeing this and it really helped me. The other factor was that it was close to our home. So I felt quite comfortable knowing I could be there at a moment's notice. And ultimately, like, I know that this is horribly vague for people looking for direction, but it was just a vibe thing. Like, I felt like it was a safe and loving place. Despite all of my nerves, I still was like, okay, this feels like a nice center. Interestingly, when uh, we did a little walkthrough with Tristan, uh, my partner, he is a teacher and he made a comment that the centre director's office door was open, that kids were always free to go in and out and that she was clearly, you know, a voice of authority, but they didn't appear to be scared of her. And I hadn't even noticed this, but it was really interesting someone coming in with like an education lens and observing what kind of leadership and, and yeah, just like how the staff were expected to behave. So kids like, you know, respected her and if she was like, okay, come and sit over here or put your hat on or whatever, they obviously listened. But equally, they were comfortable enough to kind of wander into her office and sit on her knee. And so I was like, wow, that's actually really special that she is clearly someone that models being safe and approachable. Something else that initially I was nervous about, but it has ended up being a really positive thing, is that Poppy attends a multi-age room. So what that means is that there's kids from six months all the way up to, I think, three years in one room. And at the time, Poppy was crawling and there was kids like, you know, three-year-olds running around and I was sure she was going to be trampled. And I think the director saw this on my face and she was like, hey, don't worry. Like, you know, we've been doing this for years and years. No baby has ever been stepped on. And she reassured me that the older kids are actually a lot more aware of the babies than we think. And actually, in the end, I love that she's in a multi-age room. Like, I don't think there's any right or wrong, but just from our experience, we haven't had any issues. And I distinctly remember sitting on the floor with her at orientation and there were snotty kids, like, you know, triple her size racing around and my heart was pounding and I was trying not to cry, thinking like, oh, I cannot leave my little baby here. She'll get stepped on. And now she is the big snotty kid. And, you know, what got me over the line, I left that day and I felt quite anxious and I was like, oh, I don't know, like this just feels like a lot. It's so different to at home when it's all just so calm and it's just her and I. But I had to remember that we as humans are built to live in communities and it's actually so normal for our bubs to be exposed to kids of all different ages and stages And the developmental leaps we saw in her as a result of her watching and copying the big kids was absolutely crazy. So yeah, like if you're sitting here quite nervous listening, I totally feel you, but please know that it gets easier. Someone has written in asking, when is the best time to start? So I personally don't feel that there's a fixed answer here. The right time to begin is whenever your family need the additional support. If that is because at six months you need to be back in the paid workforce, then start at six months. That's the right time. If it's two years because you can and you want to um, and you want your little ones at home for that time, then fantastic. I think take the pressure off yourself to like nail it, so to speak, quote unquote. 
no matter when you begin, it's it's going to be a sticky transition and it's ultimately going to be a really positive one. But I don't think that there's like this golden window of opportunity that means it's going to be infinitely easy or infinitely more difficult. Just look at your own individual circumstances and base your decision off of that. So lots and lots of questions about how we navigated feeding, both, both breastfeeding and solids intake. So at 10 months, we were still mixed feeding. We were mostly breastfeeding, but Pops happily took a bottle of formula here and there, mostly just because I don't enjoy pumping. Um, if you've followed my content for a little while, you've heard me talk about this, but I don't get much out when I pump and it just it gives me the ick to sit there for hours and then look down and have like 30 mils of milk. So we actually started mixed feeding um, from around seven months and this worked really, really well for us. The daycare offered for me a few options. They said, look, you can bring in express breast milk, uh, you can attend the center for feeds, or you can send formula. And I chose to send her with formula. I did entertain the idea of popping back in for a feed, but actually I felt that personally, I feel like it's cleaner to get through the goodbye and then for them to be in that environment. And I felt like it would be confusing if I then popped in in the middle of the day and then left again and it just felt messy for us. I mean, you do whatever feels right for you, but I, in the end, I chose to send her with formula. Now that she's on cow's milk, she breastfeeds as well, but it's honestly, it's so ad hoc. I think it's just for comfort. I would have no idea what my supply is doing. She is predominantly on solids and then we'll have a cow's milk bottle here and there, just like pre-nap time and that kind of thing. So I just send an empty bottle and they offer her some cow's milk. I never pumped during the day to maintain my supply. I just breastfed in the morning, in the afternoon after pickup, and then at night as usual. And I didn't notice a, a change in my supply. Obviously, everyone's going to be different. Some people, if you pull back, uh, you notice a difference straight away. I've always found that it takes a few days for things to shift my supply. So one day of daycare didn't really change anything. Okay, quite a few questions were also submitted about sleep. And I totally get it because this is such a point of... Oh, it's just challenging no matter what, let alone when they are starting daycare. So when we started Poppy, she only ever slept in a dark room, either after being rocked or fed to sleep. You know, she still, she did occasionally, like if she was tired enough, we could lay her down in her cot and she would nod off, but mostly she was very supported to sleep. She slept in a dark room with her white noise on. It was all very routine. So you can imagine how nervous I was to have her sleeping in an entirely different environment with strangers. The sleep setup at daycare is a mat on the floor where we go. Some places have cots and nurseries, but where we go, it's a mat on the floor in one of the play areas with the blinds down and some calming music and a little blanket over the top of them. <laughs> we actually laugh, like we laugh about it. We did the tour and we looked at each other and we are like, <laughs> like good luck. This girl is not going to lie down on the floor and go to sleep. And look, for the first few weeks, the educators rocked her to sleep and then transferred her onto the mat. And soon enough, they just began lying her down on the mat and patting her to sleep. We send her noise machine and her sleep sack as comfort because for her, they are strong sleep associations. And this works really well, particularly the white noise machine. Poppy's very attached to hers. It's like a little portable one and she loves carrying it around and that sort of thing. So I think it doubles as a bit of a comforter. Yeah, they turn it on and she knows that it's her, her sleep time. But this whole handing over control of sleep has actually taught me two very valuable lessons in parenthood. And it's helped me in so many other areas. The first thing is, is that our babies do different things for different people. They are clever 
and they work out the rules in different environments. Uh, And this is a good thing. Poppy would have observed other kids going down for their nap on the map and she would have followed suit. It definitely didn't happen right away. She, you know, had a whole set of rules around sleep that applied to me. But in the end, she got there. She figured out, okay, I'm not at home. This is not what happens at home. And here, my sleep space is this mat on the floor with the educators. So she got there. And it doesn't mean that, you know, we definitely had some days where we picked her up and it was clear she hadn't had much sleep at all. But I just want to reassure you that just because your baby needs a certain set of circumstances to achieve a nap at home, it does not mean that they need the same thing elsewhere, whether that's at grandma's house or daycare or with a sitter or whatever. Secondly, our babies are capable of being comforted by others. It goes without saying that they are not going to attach as strongly to an educator as they have to us. That is a given and we wouldn't want them to, right? But they will find comfort in the arms of someone else. I think our biggest fear is that we'll, you know, we'll leave, our baby will become upset or tired and that no one will be able to calm them down. No one will be able to comfort them. I know that that was my fear. I was like, what if she just kicks off? She can't get to sleep. I'm not there. You know, it's such a big point of angst for us. But they will find comfort with someone else. I walked in one day to pick up Pops and I was a bit early and and she was still having her afternoon nap. I looked down the room and I could see one of the educators holding her on her lap, stroking her hair, having a nap. It honestly was the best thing for me to see and it was so beautiful and I was like, okay, So it's not me, but this girl is getting so much love, so much support to sleep. They're giving her exactly what she needs. We have to remember that educators are pros. They are really special humans and it's so hard to put our trust in them, but I hope I'm reassuring you that they will fall asleep with others. It's just probably going to take some time. There will be days where Bub doesn't sleep very well. I've picked up Pops many times and looked at the sleep sheet uh, to see that she's had a whole 25 minutes of sleep. And I'm like, okay, we're going to have a very overtired baby at home. She's going to need heaps of cuddles, but that's fine. It's all part of the process. And just because it's hard at the beginning, it doesn't mean it's not going to get better. In terms of food, uh, you know, the same rules apply. They watch the other kids eat and they follow suit at home. Poppy will turn her nose up at a rice dish and then she'll eat three bowls of it at daycare. And I'd rather her eat. So it really doesn't bother me that she has a different set of behaviors at daycare to home. I think it's great that she gets to observe other people trying things and give it a go herself when maybe at home she wouldn't. Some days she is ravenous when she comes home and I figure she just didn't like what was on offer. So we have a bigger dinner and then other times, you know, she's obviously stuffed herself silly. So it all evens out and I try not to stress about this too much because it's one to two days of the week and, you know, our kids will be fine. A kind of little deal I made with myself, I guess after maybe the first few weeks, I was like, you could try to, you know, because I was worried about sleep. I was worried about what she was eating. And then I was like, Beth, the entire point of her going to daycare is to give you a break and to allow you the headspace to focus on your work. It's not doing her or you any good to try to control her days at daycare and be all over what's happening with sleep and what has she eaten and la la la. I have now taken the approach of I drop her off. I know she's safe and it's their responsibility that day to see if she eats and check that she's had water and all of that kind of stuff. And that's been really, really freeing to be like, I'm not in charge today. So whatever happens, happens. She's safe. She's loved. Everything's fine. Lots and lots of questions about sickness. 
And I wish I was coming on here to say something different, but the truth is it's going to be rampant for a little while. It is inevitable. It is not your fault. Try not to hold too much guilt around your decision to start daycare and the subsequent onslaught of sickness. It is just part of it when kids are mingling in close proximity that they are going to be passing germs back and forth. Obviously, we all do our best to keep our kids away when they're not well. And this is something I I try really hard to do with Poppy. Like even if she just has a little snotty nose, I really check myself and think, yes, it's inconvenient for her to stay home today. But we all have a responsibility to not kind of like spread the love when they're not feeling well. But what I would do, particularly for anyone returning to like a corporate workplace or even, you know, a clinical care setting, I would chat to your manager prior and be like, I know I'm returning to work. I just want to give you the heads up that we have started childcare. Talk to your partner and decide like who is going to take those days off. Look at your sick leave because I think it can also be like a point of contention within your relationship when it's like one person is always expected to use their sick leave and not go to work. So just having a chat about like, are we going to take it in turns? Does one of us have more flexibility than the other? What does that look like? I would also stock up on essentials at home, things like children's paracetamol, tissues, hand sanitizer, and just instead of focusing on the sickness, Focus on what you can do to support your overall health. So make sure that your little one's vaccines are up to date. Make sure that you are protecting and supporting sleep. If you've had a big few days and you think, oh, this little one's getting a bit run down, you know, slow down and get some of those long stretches of sleep back. Eat good food, ensure they're hydrated. Practice hand washing. Sometimes we think that they're not noticing or that they're too young. They're absolutely not. They pick up on everything. So making a big show of washing your hands before you eat means that they're more likely to go and do that at daycare. And I think just be a little bit prepared to ride the wave. It can be really confronting when you've spent so long protecting your little one from germs. I know for me coming off the back of a pandemic when all it felt like was like we were dodging sickness, we were running from this thing and staying away from people and all of this stuff. And then I'm sitting in a daycare with like 30 snotty kids running around and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so confronting. But I have learned that our kids are resilient and that with time, it actually does begin to settle down. It feels like it's not going to, but it does. So I want to move on and talk you through some practical strategies for managing the transition just based on our experience. Something that my mum actually suggested, and she has a background in early education, was to practice hellos and goodbye. I think it's always tempting to like sneak off so that you avoid a meltdown. Like if they're distracted, you're like, okay, I'm going to duck out to the shops or whatever. But mum was like, no, you actually need to teach her that goodbye always means hello. So we started doing big exaggerated waves. Bye, darling. I love you so much. Have fun with dad. I'm going to the shops. I'll be back soon. That kind of thing. Every time one of us like left the room or ducked out or was going to work or whatever. This has actually paid off big time because she now knows that whenever we wave goodbye, it's not like goodbye, you are never going to see me. It's goodbye. I'm coming back soon. And then, you know, we'll get to hang out. I would try to keep the morning that you are heading off to daycare as routine and calm as possible. So packing the daycare, maybe preparing breakfast the night before, just so that it's like not a hectic dash out the door and one of you's like running late and that can just bring up everyone's cortisol. Make sure that you make time for like cuddles and connections. So bring them into your bed in the morning if that's something that you do or have some time for some like really connected play on the mat, reading, that kind of thing, just to kind of like fill up their little love cup prior to drop off. 
The daycare will typically allocate you an educator that will be your baby's main educator while they adjust. And so this means that when you drop them off, you you hand Bubby over directly to them for the first few times just to get that kind of rhythm going. When you approach the daycare doors and when you go inside, try to stay calm and focus on repetition. Remember like our babies are learning patterns all the time and they look to us to learn what is safe and what's not. So walk in with a smile, try to be really relaxed, put their bag away and keep it really clean and swift. So big hug and a kiss. I always say to Poppy, I love you so much. I'll see you later. Have a great day with, you know, educator's name. And then we hand her over and we walk out. And I know that this sounds so hard. It is. It's really unnatural to walk away from your crying baby. And I a hundred percent get that, but lingering, picking them up, putting them down, coming back in and out, crying yourself, like in front of them. Imagine how confusing that is for a small child. Is mom staying or going? Who's looking after me? What's happening? When I leave, I would like have a big cry. Let it flow. I cried a lot in the lead up to daycare and in the first month. I just felt heavy with sort of that angst and guilt. And I was like, oh, this just, it's a lot. My little, my little buddy who's been by my side, pretty much glued to my body for months and months is no longer with me. And that's, it's hard. So I would come home and, you know, just like give yourself some grace and recognize that this is a huge adjustment for you as well. And look, if you can, one of my biggest tips would be to start daycare a couple of weeks prior to being back in the paid workforce. Like if you can have say anywhere between one and four drop-offs before you then have to drop off and go straight into work, I think that is a really, really positive thing to do. Obviously you pay for each day, so that might not be accessible to you, which I also get. But if you can, like I remember coming home and enjoying the fact that if anything happens, I've got the flexibility that I can just pop back and pick her up or if she's just having a really unsettled day rather than if I was like on a shift or in the city at an office, I would have probably felt quite anxious. Something I found was that calling the center for an update around an hour after drop-off was really great. This reassurance allowed me to get on with my day. I struggled to kind of drop straight into work mode directly after a tough drop-off. Whereas when I called and they said, she's happy, she's relaxed, she's fine. Often I'd call and they say, she's asleep. And I think, okay, well, she's asleep. She must be fine. And many centers also have like a online update portal. Ours doesn't, but I was encouraged to get in contact as much as I needed to. When you pick your little one up, two things, they will probably cry when they spot you. Just remember like they've been being their best self all day and and kind of holding on and they might have had a great day and them bursting into tears when they see you doesn't mean that they've had a horrible day or that they've been really, really upset for hours. It just means that they've been holding on, they're relieved to see you and it's just like that big emotional overload of like, oh, there's my mom or there's my dad and, you know, they're just so happy to see you. The other thing is that expect them to be filthy. Like I was shocked, but you have to remember that it does not mean that they haven't been well cared for. It means that they have probably been having an amazing time exploring the center, getting messy, playing with mud, you know, in the sandpit, like all of this incredible stuff. They just look like they're covered from head to toe in food and that sort of thing. Don't let it shake you and think, oh, this place is crazy. It just means that kids are being kids and that's what we want. And then just remember that your little one will probably need extra support to go to bed that night. They will be exhausted, but keen for cuddles and reassurance and contact and just go with it. Like if your normal bedtime routine is on its head for a few weeks in the daycare adjustment, that is okay. Remember they're catching up on sleep as well as being a little bit, you know, dysregulated from all of the change. So just try to roll with it. We gave Poppy so much praise, smiles, cuddles, like all of that kind of stuff. 
And I would intentionally leave the late afternoon free of other commitments so that when I picked her up, we could just go home together and really slow down. So what does it look like now six months in? Okay, so Pops is now going two days a week, which is a recent change. We occasionally have a little cry at drop-off, but not too distressed and is quick to calm. Typically before either of us have got to the door to leave, she's happy. She now reaches out for her educators and will actively go to them for a cuddle, sit on their lap, go to them when they're like, you know, Poppy, can I have a hug goodbye? She'll hop down off my hip and give them a hug goodbye, which is just huge considering like she used to burst into tears when she saw them. And, you know, that attachment is obviously coming along beautifully. And what we're finding is that she's also more herself there. So the educators will say like, oh, she was so playful today. She was giggling and laughing and just seems more relaxed because she's really starting to be like, oh, this is my space. Like this is where my friends are. This is where I come to play. And that little, you know, fear is kind of fading into the background. Uh, She has also begun connecting her sleep cycles there. So it was pretty normal for when she was on two naps, she'd just have like two 25, 30 minute kips. But now that she is on one day, uh, midday nap, sorry, and she's more relaxed there, you know, she's sleeping for sort of like an hour, an hour and a half, which is more true to what she does at home as well. This morning I said, I was getting her dressed and I was like, are you ready for daycare? And she went and got her bag and practically ran out the door. I was like, can I have a hug? And she just turned around and blew me a kiss and waved and left with my husband. And I was like, right, okay. So we, (laughs) daycare has well and truly settled into being the norm. And so I guess to finish, I just want to speak to anyone who is feeling guilty about daycare. I want to encourage you to shift your mindset and remember that we were never meant to parent alone. If this is what allows you the support and community that you need, great. I think of daycare as the village that we pay for and I look forward to the time that she spends there each week. It has brought so much more balance into our lives, in particular around my work. And despite it being such a hard transition to begin with, it has been wholeheartedly positive for our entire family unit. So if this episode has been helpful, please share it with your mama friends chuck it on Instagram, leave a review, all of those things, you know what to do. It it helps so much and it really helps to reach the ears of other people who might be looking for support and resources on these topics. As I said, guys, this is my last episode for the year. Thank you for joining me and a happy new year to you. I have so much planned for this little podcast in the year 2023. And just as a reminder, if you're looking for childbirth education over the summer, my online course Powerbirth is there. It's ready and waiting for you. Perhaps you're busy with your toddler, but waiting for baby number two, or you know someone who wants to do some education over the break, you can find that at www.birthwithbeth.com.au. Otherwise, you know where to find me. I'm over on Instagram at birthwithbeth underscore. Thank you for being here and I'll see you next year. If you're hearing this message, then you've listened all the way to the end and maybe you're keen for more. If that's the case, jump over to my website to learn about how I can support you in pregnancy. It's www.birthwithbeth.com.au or check out my Instagram for heaps more educational content. Thank you for being here and I'll see you back here very soon.